You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Hope that you are having an absolutely incredible week so far. We are in part three of a series entitled The Worship Playlist. We've been diving into worship songs and the lyrics of those songs and the scripture that inspired those songs and pulling out applicable lessons for us. Today, last week, we talked about running in circles by United Pursuit. If you are interested in checking that out, that's part two of this series. Go ahead and uh, find that all that content here on the podcast this week we are going to be talking about the song graves into gardens by elevation worship this song uh is absolutely incredible and we could probably spend an entire series just walking through the lyrics of this song but i'm going to try to keep it short and concise and not not have this run over an hour but um this song was really vital for my family actually over the last year or so especially during the stay-at-home order here in montana if you're listening in billings or if you're listening from montana you know that that was not incredibly long we thought it was going to be two weeks and it ended up being a couple months but um i know some of you who are listening from uh different parts of the country that was actually months and months and months and months and so you know what it felt like to be stuck at home to not really be able to go do anything except get groceries and um do the, the bare necessities and so This song was one of those songs that released in my family, literally listened to it on repeat for so, so long. I mean, months on end. We'd put it on our TV. We'd put it on repeat. We'd watch the YouTube video. If you haven't seen the actual YouTube video of them recording this live, go watch it. It is a party. It is absolutely incredible. Um, But this song holds a ton of value for our family. And uh, I just want to pull out a few of the different phrases and then dive into some scripture as per usual and see what we can garner from this song. So the first phrase that I want to look at is, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 through 24 say, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. The first question that I want to ask this week is, where are we looking for fulfillment? Where are we looking for fulfillment? From the beginning of human history, we have looked for for that thing. And we talked about this a little bit last week. But, but it's because there's this theme throughout human history where we are in pursuit of something that is going to, to fill the gap. Something that is going to bring fulfillment. And it, it could be wealth. It could be knowledge. It could be a person. It could be that person that you think is going to complete you. It could be a singular possession that we so desperately want. For for so many of us, we need to ask ourselves the question, what am I looking for to that, that's going to bring me fulfillment? I was at the store the other day, um, and uh, my son Maddox is eight years old, and he is really into Pokemon right now, which actually makes me really proud because when I was eight years old, I was super into Pokemon. Now, granted, Pokemon now is like thousands and thousands of different creatures or whatever. I was OG. Like, there was like 150 of them. It was Game Boy Color. It was very basic, but still proud nonetheless, even though I really have no knowledge to help him whatsoever. But he's getting really into Pokemon cards. And right now, there's like a Pokemon card that is that is 
rare and coming out that everybody wants. And so if you go to Target, you can't even find Pokemon cards. And I've been trying to find Maddox some Pokemon cards for a while. And the other day I was at Target and I see them stocking the singular rack with like 10 packs of this Pokemon card or these Pokemon cards, just just packs. And there's a chance, like a one in a million chance, like winning the lottery, of finding one of these cards. Well, I start walking over there and I'm going to buy him a pack and just be like, here you go, bud. Here's a nice surprise to the middle of your week. And this kid like cuts me off and he's gunning towards it. And I was like, oh, you dog, you're going to go and snipe my Pokemon cards. And before he can get there, this adult man steps in front of this kid and takes every single sleeve of cards, looks at the kid, no remorse and walks away. And that kid is just standing there in shock. And then he looks at me and I'm like, I mean, I feel bad for you, but you are going to do it to me. So I don't know how bad I feel for you. But here's the thing. That guy has probably been looking for that card for weeks or months or however long it's been since they announced its release. And he is convinced that if he finds that card, that is going to bring him fulfillment. That If he finds that card, that is going to bring him some sense of accomplishment and joy. And while every single one of our stories and every single one of our situations might look different, I think sometimes God is just looking at us in shock because of the things that we have decided to focus on. That, that like that kid looked at that guy in awe, like I looked at that guy just like flabbergasted that he would do something like that. Sometimes I think God would look at us and be like, I can't believe that that is what you are focusing on when I have something so much more for you. You see, we spend so much time pursuing things instead of focusing on the God who actually pursues us. Everything on this side of heaven fades. It deteriorates. It, it falls apart. Our relationship with Jesus is the only thing that is eternal. Even, even our most precious earthly relationships aren't forever. Someday, I will die, and I will die before my wife because that is a rule that I have set. And I hope that that's 80 years from now. But what I understand is that my relationship, even with my wife, which is the most precious relationship to me on earth, is going at some point to end. The, the till death do us part is real. Eventually, death will part us. But you see, with Jesus, death just brings us closer to him. Paul actually says to live, to die is gain. To die is gain. Because he knew he'd be closer to the presence of Jesus. You see, the only thing in our life that is eternal is Jesus. So we need to be people who focus on the God who pursues us, not pursuing the things that are only temporary. Graves in the Garden, the song goes on to say, Then you came along and put me back together, and every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Once again, the lyrics of the song point to this concept of temporary versus eternal, finding our satisfaction in the world versus finding our satisfaction in Jesus. And so many of us are guilty of that, right? We try to find our satisfaction in the world. There's this story in the Gospel of John. It's the woman at the well. There's a ton of cultural context that goes into this. If you actually dive in to, to the implications of a Jewish rabbi talking to not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And then Jesus telling her that he's the Messiah. Like There's just so much that goes into that. And it's an incredible story. It's found in John chapter 4. But what I want to do is I want to look at at two verses because in the midst of this conversation, he's asking for a drink of water. He's asking for her to draw water up from the well. And and they they get in this conversation and he says this in, in verses 13 and 14. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. 
but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So a question that I think that we need to ask ourselves is, is can I honestly say that I am a person who, am, who is satisfied with the love of Jesus? That if, that if the pleasures of the world eluded me for, for the rest of my life, could I sit in the love of Jesus and say, that's okay. I have all that I need, even though everything in this world, every desire that this world has thrown at me, every temptation, everything that I want to pursue, every person that I want to pursue, if none of those things were to work out for me, would I be okay camping in the love of Jesus and saying, that's okay. This is sufficient. I am content. See, if I'm being honest, I don't think that I could say that with confidence right now. I think that I have a lot of room to grow. Most of us do. And I would love to get to the place where I can say, if, if I have nothing but Jesus, life is still good. Life is still good. You see, my humanity screams for more, for better. It strives to have the things that I do not have. But I often think of Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you have no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You see, we're, we're going to experience life in so many different ways, but if we can come back to knowing that Jesus is sufficient, that Jesus is enough, that our contentment is found in Jesus, we will be okay. We have to get back to understanding that the power and the authority of God will always bring true satisfaction, that while true satisfaction on this side of heaven might not ever naturally come in Jesus and in his power and in his authority, he creates contentment. He is enough. True contentment comes from Jesus because he is above it all. And like the song says, there is nothing better than him. There's nothing better than him. If there is any discontentment in us, let it be for a world that, has, that hasn't found contentment in him. If there is any discontentment in us, let it be for a world that hasn't found contentment in him yet. A holy, dedicated discontentment that will be present until everyone knows the love of Jesus. But in our singular space, in our singular experience, that we would be people of contentment because of the love of Jesus. And the only only discontentment found in us is because other people haven't found that love yet. That's the only discontentment, that we would not be discontent with our own lives, but that our only problem with the world is that other people don't know the love of Jesus yet. The next phrase says, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord. You've seen them all, and yet you still call me friend. I think this might be one of the most staggering parts of our walk with Jesus, that he knows every single blemish, every mistake, every wrong turn, and yet we can step up to the throne of God knowing that he looks at us as his beloved. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 through 11 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more 
gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The next point this week is that our weakness is an open door. Our weakness is an open door. I think that we always need to be working on becoming more like Jesus, but we are never going to be whole. We are never going to be perfect. We will always have broken pieces. But what if we looked at our broken pieces as opportunities for the miraculous work of Jesus instead of flaws that that keep us at arm's length from him? What if we looked at our stories and the stories of other people in our lives, not not as stories that are that are too far gone, but we would look at those stories in holy anticipation of how far Jesus is going to bring them back. That we would be people who don't say, wow, like that guy is too far gone, or I'm too far gone, or she's too far gone, or there's no possible way that Jesus could bring me back to a point of salvation and resurrection and, and restoration and all those different things. But instead, we would look at our stories and be like, wow, that's going to be an incredible, incredible journey. I can't wait to watch Jesus, not take them from point C back to point A, but from point X all the way back to point A, that that God would bring his children home and we have a holy expectation and a holy anticipation for the big things that Jesus is going to do in our own lives and the lives of other people. Because what we have to understand is that his perfection will always be greater than our imperfection. We just have to give Jesus room to move. And if we can understand that his perfection always, always is bigger than our imperfection, we are in a place where we can use our weaknesses as an open door and say, Jesus, when I'm weak, you are strong, so be strong in me. You turn mourning into dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You see, Jesus specializes in turning things around. Another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Jesus specializes in turning things around. The Bible is full of stories that result in miracles. The the expected outcome is simply changed because Jesus steps into the story. It could be spiritual warfare. It could be a miracle of healing. It could be wisdom that's imparted on someone's life and it changes their life forever. But what we understand is that Jesus turns things around. And I think it can be so easy for us to nod in agreement with that and then turn around and so many times be people who have trouble believing that he can turn our circumstance around. That we can say, yes, Jesus specializes in turning things around for other people, in other people's situations, in other people's circumstances, but not my circumstance. Hear me. Your situation is unique. Your situation is difficult, but Jesus is also unique. Your situation is unique, but so is Jesus. Your circumstance doesn't determine how capable God is. Let me say that again. Your circumstance does not determine how capable God is. I would challenge you today to look at your expected outcomes. That you would understand that your loss is real and you can mourn that. But would you also understand that your expected outcome isn't the outcome that Jesus may want? That Jesus can take loss and suffering and bring something incredible about. 
that that your expected outcome when when everything is burned down around you, your relationships, your plans for the future, those things have burned down around you. Yet Jesus can make something beautiful out of that. That when the thing that has brought you shame for so long is bearing on your soul and you just don't know how there could be any outcome other than tragedy, would you understand that Jesus can use that to bring glory to himself through you and your story? You see, our part to play is to believe that these things hold undeniable truth, that Jesus can change the expected outcome. That if we learn, that if we lean in to who God is more than our circumstance, beautiful things will emerge. The last phrase from the song says, "You turn graves into gardens, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, and you're the only one who can." A question to end this week: What have you buried that Jesus wants to resurrect? What have you buried that Jesus? wants to resurrect. You see, we've all held funerals for dreams or relationships that we once really believed in. Now hear me, I understand that there are some things that need to sedate that need to stay dead. There are paths that need to stay dead. There there are relationships that need to stay buried, all kinds of things. But what if we called time of death on something too early? What if we called time of death too early on that dream that God had placed in our life? What if we called time of death on that relationship too soon now hear me when like some of you are like thinking like oh that girl or that guy that i I was in love with like i'm not talking about romantic relationships i'm talking about friendships i'm talking about real human relationships outside of romance That, that you would look at things and be like maybe that person that god was calling me towards maybe that person that God was asking me to uplift i i, I called time of death on that relationship that that i was a, too offended in the moment and I let that relationship die. Maybe I call time of death on something too early. I truly believe that we often kill off things because of fear, because of anxiety, because of the fact that we're impatient and that we get scared. But lucky for us, we serve a God of resurrection. That if it's something that he wants to live, it's going to live. And I also believe that there are some things that needed to be planted in the ground for a while before God allowed them to flourish that that while we buried them six feet deep and we had we held a funeral for them maybe god was just asking them to plant them asking us to plant them in healthy soil so that they could flourish later on you see we often don't give things enough time to germinate but jesus in his perfect timing can take things that are buried even if they are buried deep and create something perfect Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.